Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. In their mind, the Messiah is going to avenge the righteous, he's going to punish the wicked, and he's going to establish the kingdom of God so that order can be restored upon the earth. Now, Jesus, identified by John as the promised one, at this point has been on the scene for a year and a half. And up to this point, there has been no Holy Spirit fire baptism. That's not been going on. Nor has there been a gathering of the righteous ones around him. The the Jews, by and large, are not being gathered around him. He's ministering to Gentiles the same as he is Jews. He's speaking words of comfort to Gentiles as much as he is Jews. He is pointing them to the kingdom of God as much as he is Jews. And so there is this, this issue where the righteous are not being gathered around, but even more, the burning of chaff, the, the judgment upon the Gentiles, it simply isn't happening. And on top of all that, John, the forerunner of the Messiah, evangelist extraordinaire, sets rotting in prison. So I believe you would agree with me that it's very easy to understand that from John's perspective, this is not the way things are supposed to be going. This is not the way I expected it to be. It seems like things have definitely got off course. And so John is now gripped with doubt. This brings us to truth point number one, and this is so important. I hope that you'll record it and remember it in days to come. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations are a prime contributor of doubt for Christ followers. When doubt begins to rise in the heart of a believer, it is imperative that that believer consider their own expectations and then verify if those expectations are supported by the Word of God. This is so important because so many of us, this is where our doubt begins. We had an expectation of what it was going to be like to be a child of God. And then something comes along and just rattles that whole thing out of its joint. And then we're like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I'm going to talk more about that again in a second. But I'm going to say this for now, that if you find yourself in that position, what you need to be doing is going directly to the word and finding out, is my expectation biblical? Or did I just pick it up from the religion I was part of? Now, in John's case... Is everybody with me? I can't tell if you are or not. As far as I know, you're all sleeping out there. In John's case, his expectations were actually accurate. But there was a a small thing there. He he didn't have all the facts. He, He didn't have all the pieces to the puzzle. One of the things John just did not know about, it just what he didn't understand because it had not been revealed to him that the spirit and fire baptism could not occur until the Messiah went to the cross, paid the debt of sin, and then rose from the dead. That had to happen first. And in fact, after it happened, the baptism of the spirit and fire came. Another thing that John didn't understand, the righteous being gathered around the Messiah and the 
the unrighteous being judged. Well, that, that is not going to take place in its full force till the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so, 2,000 years later, here we are, we're still waiting on that, aren't we? He just didn't understand that. So, so John's expectations were fine. Again, he just didn't have all the pieces to the puzzle. But here's one thing I want, really want to highlight and I want you to grasp a hold of. Is that regardless of whether they were right or wrong, John did the right thing. When the doubts began to arise, what did he do? He went directly to Jesus. He went directly to Jesus. He didn't pull down his friends and have a big, you know, crying, whining party and complaining and, and, and griping and grousing and, and slinging snot from here to, to Ames. I mean, he just didn't do that. Instead, he went right to the source. Now, he couldn't go himself because he was in jail. So he sent a couple of his disciples and he asked, are you the one or should we be looking for another? So as I uncover all that, I, I cannot find any fault with John. I would actually say that I would probably find fault if, given what he was seeing and not seeing, if he didn't have some doubts. Because he was expecting these things to happen. And I don't see Jesus faulting him either. When John's disciples show up with the question. What is fascinating is the way Jesus chooses to respond. When, 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 when asked the question, notice that Jesus does not say yes. He does not say no. What does he do? He unleashes a flurry of divine power. That's what he did. He unleashed a flurry of divine power. Look at verse 21. It says, in that hour. And then he goes on to tell us all these things that took place. In that hour. He was healing the blind and healing the lame and, and, and uh, uh, whatever else was in there. He's doing all those things. It says, in that hour. Well, that led me to ask the question, does, does the Bible there really mean that hour, as in within the 60 seconds, that, or 60 minutes, excuse me, within the 60 minutes that those men asked the question, he did all this? Because that would be quite a feat, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be flurry of activity. Well, I did a little linguistic research and I discovered that the word Luke uses here can, in fact, depending on the context, mean 60 minutes. But, depending on the context, it can also just stand for a period of time, like, like a morning context to, from 9 to noon or an afternoon context. It wouldn't necessarily have to be tied to an exact 60 seconds. I was left then kind of walking away, um, confessing that the exact meaning there is a bit fuzzy, so I'm not going to nail it down here. I'm simply going to say this, because this is what we can know for certain, is that in a very brief amount of time, whether it was one hour or whether it was an afternoon or whether it was a morning, we find that in response to the question asked, Jesus began to unleash the deliverance power of the kingdom of God upon people who were being held captive by the ravages of the sin curse. What a thing that would have been to behold. And after he did that, after he pulled back the curtain and allowed the kingdom of God in its power and glory to have its way in the lives of people who heretofore have been held captive in sin and its curse, 
Jesus then looks to these disciples and says this. You go back to John and you tell him. The blind receive sight. Again, they've seen it, right? They've seen it. They've seen the kingdom of God in operation. He says, go back and tell John. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. By the way, just as a side note, let me say that when the kingdom of God is in full operation or when it's in operation in any context, those things are the things that happen. The wrongs get righted. You say, what do you mean the kingdom of God? You mean when the city and the gates and no, that's not what the kingdom of God is. The the kingdom of God is not some, some land, some amount of land or some, some city that's setting on a hill with, with, uh, with gates and and, and walls around. No, the the word kingdom in, in the gospels, when it talks about the kingdom of God, it's talking about the rule and the reign of God. So what we're saying here is that when God's rule and reign comes bursting forth, then that which is dark and that which is sinful and that which is un done gets dispelled in the light of his glory and one day we are promised that that kingdom that rule and reign will be forever and ever and ever in this moment for about an hour maybe a couple he pulls it back and everyone in its wake finds something awesome to celebrate yes praise god but then But then Jesus makes a very unusual conclusion to those statements. And we have to look at this. Then Jesus concludes with this curious statement, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. (laughs) Hold up. Don't change the slide. Um, So, what? So we've just seen the kingdom of God unleashed. We've seen the rule and reign of God doing some wonderful things among people who have been held captive in sin and its curse. And Jesus says, tell them this, 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 and this. And then he says, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What in the world is he saying? And this is what I believe he's saying. Change the slide. He is saying, accept me as I really am, not as you want me to be. Except, this is a word for every person in this room this morning. None of you are exempt. So don't look to somebody else and say, that was him, that was for him. Oh, that was for her. No, no, no. No, it's for you. Accept me as I really am, not as you want me to be. You see, it's very easy to get an idea of God in our head. An idea that God actually did not put forward. Something he did not say, this is who I am or this is what I'm about. But somehow we get that in our head and we believe it. And then when that idea, that faulty idea of God comes up against what God's revelation actually says about him, then we get our feathers in a ruffle because we just can't imagine that God would be like that. When we saw him like this, I really am tempted to go down a long litany of things that is true about us, but I'm being held back, so I won't. Just let the Spirit of God speak to your heart about it. I would ask you, what ideas do you have about God that maybe aren't quite 
accurate to the revelation of the scripture. And then when the revelation of the scripture gets preached to you, you get your cackles all up and upset because you're saying, I don't like that. I don't like that. My God wouldn't be that way. My Bible doesn't say that. Really? Maybe you need to be reading your Bible a little bit more closely. Maybe you need to be listening a little bit more to the revelation that's actually been given. Maybe we need to understand that God does not make himself out to be what we think is righteous or good. He is righteous and good, and he asks us to come to that understanding and worship him because of it. Amen? We live in a culture right now, a world where it's just the opposite, is it not? Everybody wants to make Jesus into their own image. Everybody wants a God that's like the way they think it ought to be. I've been guilty of that myself. There's a particular doctrine in the Bible that for probably 15 years, my statement in, in, in public was that's, that, that, that's, that teaching is of hell. I mean, I said that. And I've come to understand that, no, my thoughts were that what Scripture said was a little bit different than what I had thought. And God was calling me to accept the truth as opposed to keep walking in a lie that made me feel better. Truth point number two. The works of God in conjunction with the Word of God, reveal the truth of God. Misalignment with that truth leads to disillusionment and floundering in our faith. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.